Back Porching Podcast is brought to you in part by Legacy Now. Legacy Now is a ministry I lead that exists to serve those that serve others, primarily in the student ministry space. If I can serve you for more information about my ministry or to connect with me on social media, you can find more information at LegacyNow.me. That's LegacyNow.me. Hey there, friend. Welcome to the next uh, edition of the Old Back Porch Podcast. Thanks for joining me. Hope you're doing well. Hey, uh, tonight I'm going to take just a minute. Uh, last couple of weeks on the back porch, I've asked some friends when we've been hanging out talking, hey, what is something or what are some things that you think I should talk about on the podcast if I do a solo podcast? And uh, almost every one of them said something of the same kind of idea, which I thought was interesting. And so I wanted to dive into that just for a little bit tonight. And uh, I hope it'll be helpful and encouraging for you. I want to share a couple stories and a couple ideas that for me have been really life-changing. And the question is this, um, and it's a general question, but I'm going to drill it down to some other stuff. And so, so, so stay with me here. Um, the question people keep asking me is centered around the word legacy. I lead a ministry called Legacy Now. And one of the questions was, why did you name your ministry Legacy Now? And I want to tell you that story. And I want to tell you the stories that led to that story. So uh, hang out, enjoy the time on the porch, and here we go. When I was uh, transitioning from North Point, uh, God was leading me in a season to do what I'm doing now, frankly. And I, I really didn't know what that looked like yet. And it was this really crazy uh, part of my life where I was asking a lot of questions and praying a lot and meeting with a lot of people. And when it became apparent that I was going to watch something and, and lead something new in, in this time of my life, uh, one of the questions was, what are you going to call it? And from a business perspective, but even just in general, the brand or whatever. And I just knew I didn't want to call it Jason Carr Ministries. That, that didn't feel right to me. Not that there's anything wrong with that. Or naming a ministry after yourself. But I, I just felt like for what God was calling me to do and what my life's about, um, that just didn't feel right. That's I've never uh, was comfortable with that. And we had that conversation. But I just felt like for me... Um, so much of my life is so unique because there are times where I'm the guy up front, but there's also a lot of times where I'm the guy behind the scenes. And I, I just don't want it to be about me. And so that felt felt weird to me. And so uh, in that season of praying and asking questions and went through a little workshop. And part of that was thinking about some defining moments in my life in ministry. I want to share a couple of those with you because that's really where I landed on the concept of Legacy Now and the idea of Legacy Now. And the first one goes all the way back to when dinosaurs were on the earth. And I was in high school, and uh, I went to a high school that I loved, and it was a small town at the time, and it was just incredible, uh, small town America, Mayberry that I grew up in, and I loved it. And around my junior year of high school, uh, a couple of friends and uh, the school resource officer, which is a nice way of saying school cop, um, kind of floated the idea of starting FCA. Uh, back at my high school, FCA had been a thing for a long time, and then it had started moving out of the county as the county was moving in a new direction politically and, and changing some rules and, and how things went. And they basically got rid of a lot of the religious clubs on campus for a variety of reasons. And a lot of the reasons were very valid, to be frank. But um, we decided we are going to start FCA. And so there's a group of us that, that really just thought that was a good idea. And we didn't know what we were doing, but it was just a thing. And it kind of became this grassroots thing we were trying to champion to start FCA at our school. And for a variety of different reasons and choices, somehow or another, 
Um, I wasn't the initial person in charge, but I kind of rose to a position of leadership as some people disqualify themselves from leadership. It's a nice way to say something. But anyway, um, and so we started the process of trying to start an FCA. And we were basically told, no, we couldn't. And that it, that wasn't from the school. It was from the county. And so the school resource officer, a guy named um, Tom Washburn. Tom, I love that man with all my heart. Uh, Wash was this, this renegade, and I love him so much. And he was such a, a figure for me in that season of my life. And he, uh, Wash, uh, got us connected with this group called the Rutherford Institute. And the Rutherford Institute at the time, I don't know if they're still around or not, was a group of Christian lawyers that would take your case for free if your First Amendment rights were violated. So he contacted them and said, hey, we're a local FCA trying to meet, and the school says we can't. And they're like, well, that's wrong. You have legal right to meet on your campus and blah, blah, blah. And so um, long story short, because he was a county employee, uh, they sent a letter. They actually sent a fax to uh, go back in time. If you're a millennial or, or under, you can Google what a fax is. But uh, uh, they sent a fax to the Fulton County Board of Education that had my name on it which my parents were really excited about that. That's sarcasm. Um, saying that we were intending to sue, that our First Amendment rights were being violated as Christians. And they passed the decision quickly that um, any club on campus, uh, religious or not, would have the right of any other club as long as they followed the mandate that the school had set as far as having a sponsor or whatever. So long story short, I mean, it never became legal or anything like that. It just was a kind of a push and shove thing and next thing you know we, we have FCA going in our school and it never was like a really big thing but it was a thing that happened and grew and was fun and then I left and went to college and did my thing um, but funny enough a couple years later I started doing campus ministry at that same campus and they're still an FCA and uh, when Wash left the guy who took it over has become one of my best friends now um, we had this great relationship and I was working campus ministry and he was doing FCA and we did a lot of things together. And what's funny is that was a, quite a long time ago now. It was in the early 90s when that happened. Uh, and then I started campus ministry in 96. Uh, what's funny now is there's still FCAs in our community. And uh, over the last, gosh, 27 years, I've spoken at a bunch of them. And every time I'm on my way or I'm on my way home from it, I just got to smile. Because none of those kids know who those people were. Most of them don't know who Wash is. But they're all standing on the shoulders of all these people who've carried this and championed it for so long. And if it wasn't for this ragtag group, now God could have used anybody, and it's not just about that group. But it's just cool to think, to be a part of something that, that had a legacy to it, that had ripples to it, that really are still true today. And that marked me. That marked me in a dramatic way as I began to see the fruit of that and to see the reality of that. Um, at the same time, realizing that none of those people know who we are, and that's totally cool. They don't need to know who we are. That was never our intention. That was never our goal. Fast forward down the road many years. Uh, I'm working at North Point full-time with the middle school ministry. I'd worked with high school and middle school at different iterations of my time there. And at this time, I'm on the middle school team, and our charge was to um, refocus the relational culture of the, the small groups in the middle school ministry, and it was just a, such a fun time. I had this unbelievable team I got the chance to work with. And one of our charges was to really kind of up the ante for small group leaders and really them invested in the life of students and who was in the room and uh, redid job descriptions and just built this whole culture that it was so fun to be a part of that season. Um, but as part of that season, one of the things that we brought to the table was the idea of putting high schoolers in every group. 
and having a high schooler help lead every group. And at first there was a little pushback, not from our team, but from above us for a variety of reasons that were all really good and made a whole bunch of sense. But we just talked the room and worked the room as a team and eventually got to a point where there was a high schooler in almost every group. And what I love now is if you went to North Point this Sunday and you went by their middle school environment, you would see a bunch of high schoolers in those groups. And what I love about it is this, and don't miss this, Many of the high schoolers who are leading groups now are doing it because when they were in middle school, they had a high schooler in their group that had a massive influence in their life. And when they got to high school, they're like, I want to be like him. I want to be like her. And again, none of those kids now have any idea who we are, and they don't need to. But how cool to be a part of a team that made choices that have a legacy like that, that have affected generations and generations and generations of people. Man, golly. And, and I've already talked about this on a podcast, but I'll just unpack this a little bit more. Um, the greatest honor of my life is the fact that God's allowed me to lead small groups for a long time now. And um, honestly, it's just the coolest thing ever. And having stood up front and performed weddings for a bunch of these guys or been in the weddings for a bunch of these guys that God's trusted me to lead, to continue to walk through crucial moments, uh, even to this day with many of those guys and to be a part of their life still, it's just the coolest thing in the world that God has allowed me to do that. Uh, but what I love about that is for so many of them now, they're off doing their thing. They're husbands, they're, they're dads, they're employees, they're servants of God's kingdom. And that's just the coolest thing to me. That The story of my life has now been extended well, well, well beyond my life. And it's the greatest thing ever. And so as I was working through those defining moments for me, the word legacy kept coming back. And it kept coming back and coming back. And, he, and here's the last thing about that. I think if you're a leader and a communicator, um, years ago a friend told me, you got to have that back pocket talk, that if someone asks you to speak somewhere, you, you know what you're going to say. And that actually happened to me once. This was a long time ago. I was uh, hanging out with these youth pastors that I was getting to know in the community when I was doing campus ministry. And they decided they were going to do a summer gathering and get all these churches together uh, at an event. And they'd been doing it a couple times, and so I wanted to go check it out. So I, I show up at this big event and walk up, and it's just crazy, and I'm just sitting in the back of the room watching it. And one of the youth pastors walks up and said, hey, thanks for being here. I'm like, yeah, man. He's like, hey, you want to talk tonight? Our speaker just canceled. I'm like, sure. And just went to my car, got a Bible, and just shared what was on my heart. And it's a talk that I've given literally probably hundreds, if not thousands of times now, which is a talk from 2 Timothy about legacy, about the things you do, uh, the things I've done in your life, now you go do it for others. And uh, Paul telling Timothy, hey, the things that we've done together, now you go do it with other people who will do it with other people. I'm gonna, I've given my life to you, now you go give your life to other people who will give their life to other people who will give their life to other people. And for me, that's the talk. If you put me on stage and didn't give me any direction, you're probably going to hear about legacy because that's what I'm passionate about and that's what I believe in. And I believe that we're all living our legacy now. And after many years of walking through life with students, like those conversations with students, often I would hear things like, you know, I think after I get out of college or one day when I get married or one day when I get a job or, you know, that's when I'll kind of tune into what's important in my life. And I just push back against that. I go, no, no, your legacy is now. Your legacy is today. The legacy of your life started the minute you have the ability to conceptually think. 
And that's the story of our lives. Our legacy is not something that we want to do. Our legacy is what we've done with what we've been trusted with. And we're living that now. And so for me, as we were moving down the road of asking, what does God want me to do in this season of my life? Um, for me, it's I want to invest in people who are invested in others, whether that's students, whether that's leaders, uh, youth pastors. And I want to help them as they invest in other people because they're living their legacy and they're giving their legacy in many cases to other people who are doing the same thing. And they're doing it now. So it's very simple. That's where legacy now came from. That's where the idea came from in that season for me. And it's as important today as it was back then. Uh, in those days as we were praying and fasting and really asking God for what, what direction was he leading my life. And I'm so grateful for that. And I'm also super cool. It's super cool now to have been doing this for a season that uh, the, the legacy of Legacy Now involves a lot of relationships with a lot of amazing youth pastors, a lot of amazing students, and a lot of amazing friends that God's trusted me to invest in and be a part of their lives and to invest in them. And in many cases, now they're investing where they were already investing in other people. And that's just the coolest thing. It's the greatest honor of my life. And I, I just want to challenge you. As you think about that and you hear those stories, I don't know what wells up in your heart or what you think about. But I hope you take time to think about your own legacy. And it's not about you being famous. It's not about you being known. Because I made a point when I told you those first couple of stories. None of those people know who we are. And that's awesome. Because they're all in environments where they're hearing about Jesus. And that's what matters at the end of the day. My name does not matter and will never matter. The name of Jesus is the name that matters forever. What are you doing with your life? With open hands, open heart, to say, God, it's not about me. It's about others. I'll finish with this. When my last book came out, it's called That Others May Live. And that book is about relational ministry. It's about investing in other people. And I wrote it primarily for people who do that, for youth pastors and small group leaders. And uh, as I was writing that and working on uh, the content for that book and really unpacking 20 years of my life and ministry, uh, hopefully as a help for other people. Um, at some point in that journey, I, I read a book called Service by a guy named Marcus Luttrell, who's famously known as the Lone Survivor. Who, uh, if you've seen that movie or read that book, the Navy SEAL who uh, his whole team was ambushed and then he was the only one that survived. And um, Lone Survivor is a great book. His next book is called Service, which is about leadership. And in his second book, he talks about a part of his rescue that he couldn't talk about in his first book because it wasn't declassified yet. And it was about his rescue. And he talked about these people called naval pararescuers, or just pararescuers. And what these heroes do every day is they get in their uh, uniform and they wait. And if they get a call, they jump on a helicopter and they rush to the aid of uh, soldiers that are lost, that are missing, that are injured, and in some cases killed, to bring them back. They put their lives on the line every day to save other people. And that's their job. That's what they do for a living. They wake up every day knowing it could be my last as I jump into battle to try to rescue my brothers and my sisters. Well, they have a motto. If you walked into their meeting room or if you see anything that they do, and this motto is actual actually true of a couple um, different things out there, especially in the military. But that model is this, these things we do so that others may live. These things we do so that others may live. And I remember when I read that, 
it's just my heart came alive. I was like, man, that's that's relational ministry. That's why you go to games. That's why you have small groups. That's why you go to camp. That's why you jump in their world. That's why you hurt when they hurt. That's why you celebrate when they celebrate. Because you want them to live. You want them to live with Jesus, and they, you want them to live for Jesus. You want them to be people who uh, live a legacy that matters. And so that's why we named the book That Others May Live, because for me that was such a powerful image of relational ministry. That's an extension to me of the concept of legacy. So the question was, where does legacy now come from? That's the story. That's where some of it, there's a lot more involved, but that's kind of the highlight of, of uh, that season. And, and to this day, what's very true for me and where uh, the idea of legacy now came from uh, as far as the name and all that and kind of where God was leading me and where he continues to lead me. And I just want to challenge you at the end of the podcast here uh, to think about your own legacy and to think about your own life and, and to ask yourself the question, what's the legacy I'm leaving? What's the story that's being told with my life? And am I living it now? Am I putting it off? Or am I aware that today I'm already living a legacy with my life? Because you are. I could go ask your friends. I could go track with your life. And pretty quickly uh, come to a conclusion of what the story of your life is. And many of us, it's quiet. It's behind the scenes. You know, I don't post everything that I do. I don't need to. Uh, that, it's not about that. It's not about what you do in public. But you know in your heart what God's called you to do. You know what God's called, given you the gifts he's given you for a reason. And that's just the question. What's, what's your legacy? And are you living it now? And what if you did? What if you started doing that? So what you know, as I close this, I'm going to pray that for you. Whoever you are as you're listening to this, I'm going I'm to hit pause in just a minute, and I'm going to stop and I'm going to pray right now that God would give you the power, the wisdom, the clarity to live a legacy for something that matters way bigger than yourself and something that lasts forever. Hey, thanks again for tuning in this podcast. Look forward to talking to you the next time.